welcome to episode 13 of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we will be talking about it. Today we are recording on January 1st, 2017. What? Happy New Year, everybody. My name is Brad Galloway, editor of GameCritics.com, and 50% of this year's show. With me, as always, is Corey Motley, staff writer at Game Critics. How's it going, Corey? I am doing well, Brad. Happy New Year to you and to our listeners. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, 2017. Are flying cars here yet? Is that is that a thing yet? Uh, I don't know. We can't even get self-driving cars like put together well, so I think flying cars are still a little bit of a ways off. But probably really soon. I can feel it. Um, as usual, though, we like to start the show with a few minutes of unnecessary banter that's not necessarily game-related, but, 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 before we do that, frequent listeners will know that we always ask for people to write in with questions and comments and feedback and so on and so on. And, you know, we have gotten some before, but we got a very special letter over the holidays. Uh, right around Christmas time, give or take, we received a very lovely email from the girlfriend of one of our listeners. And although Christmas is over officially we are giving people here at the so video games podcast nothing but giving giving is what we do we would like to dedicate this episode episode 13 of the so video games podcast as a gift to someone who has been a long time listener of the game critics podcast and someone who has heard all of our episodes listener on twitter at bax nally bax this is your show enjoy it hope you enjoy it and Jackie, uh, your girlfriend who wrote in that email, thank you very much for that kind note, and shout out to you too. So, enough of the mushy stuff, no more love, no more giving, we're done, done with that, done! Corey, let's get to the banter, what do you got, sir? Uh, I don't even know what to talk about, um, I don't know, I, my life's been pretty boring lately, I didn't really do a lot for New Year's, um, the funny thing about New Year's is, uh, uh, not to get back to being mushy or anything, but uh, I know last year, I, or last year, um, I guess technically it was last year, last year and last episode, I talked about how my partner Patrick and I have been together for almost nine years. Well, as a matter of fact, uh, as cheesy as it is, January 1st is our actual, like, dating anniversary. So today Aww. is, yeah, so today's our, like, nine-year anniversary. Um, the funny thing happy is Happy anniversary, oh, thanks, buddy. Thanks. Happy, happy anniversary. That is amazing. Nine years in today's social climate with all the stuff that goes on the way that people get together and break up and all the stuff and the everything that happens it's amazing to go nine years congratulations to you and patrick does Thanks. patrick listen to this show uh i think he listens to most episodes patrick if you're listening congratulations to you too buddy big hug for you next time i see you um i'm also like not a very uh what's the word i'm like, like sentimental person so like when i say that stuff i'm not like trying to get our listeners or you to be like oh nice job congratulations because I, I did it anyway i, I did it anyway Corey. i know like i wasn't fishing but uh, um because <laughs> i'm like i'm so i'm i'm such like a big 10 year old like last night we were watching some cnn um like the anderson cooper and kathy griffin stream of uh like the new year's thing and of course when the the ball drops and it's midnight and uh it, like the camera pans to like all the like gross like white straight couples kissing in the crowd and like anytime <laughs> any like i don't care like my distaste for like like open affection for each other like has no like it has no um boundaries so i mean anytime i see like people kissing in public i just like say ooh out loud and that's pretty much what i did for like 10 seconds of the telecast last night i was just like ew gross because it's just like people kissing and i think it's nasty and i'm just like a giant six-year-old when it comes to stuff like that so uh yeah um that's i don't know i don't really know what what else to say does that does not to get too personal here, but like like does that does that parlay over into porn? Like you watch porn, you're like ah oh, god, don't kiss, stop kissing. Like is that too, no? Different? Well, I actually um I actually like porn a lot as a matter of fact, but um <laughs> I don't I actually don't really like kissing in porn. And to be honest with you, I think it's the noise of kissing, like the gross like sloppy noise that it makes whenever like, like the smacking kind of wet yeah, like when people's yeah. mouths touch and 
it's just it just kind of grosses me out a little bit um but like everything else what what, what if other things are making with. sloppy wet sounds what about that i mean that's fine i guess that's um, okay <laughs> yeah and like I, the funny thing too about porn also i mean while we're here i might as well talk a little bit more about it um sure is sure. uh although i am gay like 100 percent um I actually do watch a lot of straight porn, so, like, that doesn't necessarily turn me off, but whenever, like, kissing happens, I'm just, like, not into it. Yeah, that's reasonable. Everybody's got their, their do's and don'ts, right? Everybody's got their line they don't cross. That makes sense to me. And, uh, you know, you're not the only person who is sensitive to that kissing sound. I've, I've met other people who are, are very sensitive to that smacking or the wet the wet sound, so you're not alone in that. So, I, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, and thank you for your, your complete honesty, by the way. That's some good listening. Oh, That's quality stuff oh, right on. there. We're both yeah. candid people. That's very true. That's very true. Um, so, banter for me. I will make it quick. Uh, oh, I recently saw the wife and I. We're super, super um, like party goers. We really just go out there. We get crazy. <laughs> whooping it up for New Year's. And so we stayed home and watched a movie on uh, on Apple TV because we're just wild and crazy like that. Yep. Um, we watched... Star Trek Beyond, which was the most recent, the third film in the rebooted Star Trek series. This one was directed by Justin Lin, the guy who did some of the Fast and Furious uh, films, I believe. I thought the first rebooted Star Trek, I thought that was actually pretty good, pretty faithful, but also kind of its own thing. And I thought it was nice. Um, The second one I thought was garbage. And people were telling me that this one was another good one. Like this was a good one to watch. And y'all were wrong. This movie was bad. It was bad. I mean, I, I still think the cast is pretty inspired. I think they chose pretty good people for the cast, so I'm down with that. But just the story was really stupid. The bad guy in the uh, the movie didn't make sense. Like, it just... There was a plot twist that didn't need to be there that made the whole thing more complicated than it needed to be. It kind of pushed it past the realm of believability. And for a Star Trek movie, you got to push it pretty far for me to be, like, calling bullshit on stuff. And, uh, you know... The music they picked for the movie was really bad. I don't re- usually notice music, but it really bothered me in this movie because they used a lot of contemporary or they called it, you know, quote unquote, like classics or oldies or something. It just was bad film. And um, some of the sp- special effects and some of the stunts that they did were just way too over the top. And I'm guessing maybe that was some of the influence from The Fast and the Furious. I've actually never seen those films, but I kind of get a, a good sense of what they are. And at one point, uh, somebody on the bridge is talking to Captain Kirk and they're like, Captain, the enemies are forming an attack wave. And it cuts over to the enemies. It is literally forming like a wave, like you would see like at a beach. Like it's literally a wave. And I'm like, oh, my fucking God. And so they they do this mumbo jumbo. They set every enemy in the quote unquote attack wave on fire. And then the fucking Enterprise surfs the curl of the wave like it's a fucking surfboard. I was like, oh, my God. This is so fucking cheesy and stupid. <laughs> oh, it was bad. It was real bad. I looked at the wife afterwards and I had to apologize because I was the one that picked it. And I was like, oh, man, my sources were not good. Um, to balance that out, though, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but uh, just about once every weekend or so, my wife wanted to go through the Harry Potter movies. Have you ever seen the Harry Potter flicks or have you read the books, Corey? I am not interested in Harry Potter like in any way, shape or form. I would have guessed that you weren't, but I figured I would check. You don't seem to me like the kind of guy that would scribble a lightning bolt on your forehead and dress up in a robe, so I, I got you pegged pretty good. Um, but the wife wanted to see him, and so my son had never seen him before. My seven-year-old, he'd never seen him. So we were like, okay. We picked Harry Potter number one, and there's, I think, like eight movies. So we watched one, and then that went over pretty well. Like The next week, we watched like the second one. We're up to like movie number four now, and it's really fun. I mean... I read the books and I thought they were really good. And I thought at the time that the movies were not as good as the books. But now that some years have passed and I'm going back to watch them again, I'm like, you know, they're good enough, man. They're, they're good enough. I think they're pretty good films, especially when you got a family around. You want to just kick back and watch something that's got lots of monsters and lots of magic. And it's, you know, not too offensive. And yeah, it's all right. It's all right. So I would definitely recommend revisiting the Harry Potter octology or I don't, I don't know what the word for that would be like eight series of eight films where somebody somebody write in and tell me what that is i'm not going to google it now but anyway jesus christ that's way more banter than i wanted to cover so let's let's get down to the main event let's talk about games let's talk about what we've been playing and Corey, um you sir i believe have been playing a game which i recently selected as one of the best of 2016 and i believe the game that you're playing is called the final station Corey, am i correct sir 
that is 100% accurate. Lay it on me, Big Daddy. What do you think? Oh, God. Don't ever say that again. I'm going to say it next segment. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> uh, so we go from talking about me watching porn to you asking me to lay it on you. Oh, geez. Sorry. Yeah, I guess that's right. Okay, no, no. no. Rewind. Uh, Corey, um, good chaste friend. Um, <laughs> I'm not editing have... any of this out, by the way. That's fine. That's fine. What's that word when you when you don't have sex with somebody but you're friends? What's the word for that? Uh, just friends, right? Yeah, but there's a, there's a specific word where it's like you're you're friends, but there's no sex going on. I forget what that word is. Oh my god! See, this is what happens when you get old. Your like vocabulary and your recall start to go. And even though I'm drinking a cup of coffee, like it's just not firing the synapses quickly enough. It's uh. Oh, Jesus Christ. All right, you, I'll Google it. You talk about Final Station. Corey, what's Final Station all about? What do we got? Uh, all right, Final Station. Um, uh, I, I feel this uh, discussion is not going to go over well, Brad, because I... Oh, no. I know, oh, no. I, know. I just oh, want to no. warn you. Oh, no. Because I remember you talking about this game earlier in the year, and I had never heard of it, and it was on the PlayStation, their holiday sale, like, last week, or it might even still be on sale right now, as a matter of fact, and... It was only like, I don't know, like five bucks or something, $7 maybe. And I thought, okay, I talked to Brad about this. Or I, I'd heard Brad talking about it. Uh, and so I, I asked you directly on Twitter, hey, would you recommend this for me? Because I feel like you know what I like whenever it comes to gaming. And you said yes. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes. I think I thought you would like this one. Uh, well, I, I did to start. Um, the game, for those who don't know, I don't want to spoil too much of it because I think like the actual setup of the game is pretty fascinating. Like you... It's like a 2D kind of pixelated side-scroller. It looks a little old school. The funny thing is that it actually, the visual style reminds me a lot of Home, which we talk about like every third podcast on here. Um, the, oh, God. We talk about that all the fucking time. I know. Jeez, yeah. That's like... Benjamin Rivers, Home, a unique horror adventure. This is what this game reminds me of, and it's a shame because it's not nearly as good. Shots fired. It's way better. Um, it's way better than Home. Uh, I don't think so because... You start the game, and it's one of those games where the initial suspense of it is actually pretty fascinating because you very much discover things as the story wants you to. Like, you start out, you're you're like a train conductor, kind of, and you're in, um, like, a kind of a city that's, like, it's not really, like, dilapidated, but there's not really a whole lot going on, and you're just kind of, like, walking through the city. It's a side-scroller, so you're just walking to the right. Um, you can kind of talk to people a little bit. And then you find out that you have to take some passengers on this train to the next station. Um, And part of the game is the train rides where they last about three minutes or so. And the passengers will have, um, they have a health meter and they have a hunger meter. And it's very much like a, kind of like a, what am I looking for? Like a resource management thing where you have to decide because you only have a certain amount of rations and a certain amount of health kits and you have to decide if the people on the train are worth saving or which one you prioritize saving um, or if you just want to like hoard the health kits and the food kits and uh, use them hope you maybe hope that you get someone else on the train down the line who will give you like I don't know better rewards for saving them or something and I'm not going to spoil what happens but it's one of those games where uh, for the first like 30 minutes I was like okay this is interesting but like this game really needs to go somewhere and then it started going somewhere and I was like pretty grabbed by it and thought it was super interesting but my problem my big 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 problem i have two one is big one is um a little smaller my big problem is that the game is too hard i just think it's way too difficult and i think it's harder than it needs to be because there is you have a gun a pistol and there is some like side scrolling like shooting combat you can also punch like enemies But it's one of those games where you die in about three hits and the game does not checkpoint long enough, like uh, close enough together to satisfy me. For example, there was a segment earlier where I was in like a little underground tunnel and I uh, climbed a ladder and there were like five enemies in an area and it takes about two to three bullets to kill an enemy and you're only carrying a max of maybe like 10 to 15 at a time. So you do the math, you're not going to be able to shoot all of them. Um... So I got into a situation where I had to keep, I would climb up the ladder and like shoot one bullet and then climb down, climb up and shoot a bullet and climb down. And then after you run out of bullets, you can punch, you can try to punch enemies to death, but punching works better on some enemies than others because there's different enemy types. And 
it took me about five or six tries to beat this one single little room, like a tiny room in the game. And then I get about two rooms after, and it's kind of the same situation. There's like uh, like four enemies or something, and I die. And then the game did not checkpoint between the two rooms. So I said, all right, I'm not playing this game anymore. Like, I'm not going to play this game, um, like literally and figuratively. I'm not playing the game this game is playing where it's going to give me two difficult rooms in a row and not checkpoint between them. And the other thing that bothers me, this is the minor thing, is that it's one of those games that is like slightly pretentious in its mystery. And by that, I mean, there is no options menu, which bothers the hell out of me. There is no menu that shows you what the buttons do on the controller. And that really, 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 really bothers me because I'm the kind of gamer where when I boot up a game for the first time, I will basically only do exactly what the game tells me to do for the first like 10 minutes until like the tutorial quote unquote section is over. I'm not one of those gamers that jumps into a game and immediately presses every button 10 times to figure out what all the buttons do because I don't want to risk like throwing a grenade and blowing up people if that's like not, you know, what the game wants me to do. I wait for the game to say, hey, R2 is, you know, the grenade button. You should use it now. Well, this game doesn't do that. It doesn't tell you what the buttons do. So you only have like one or two health kits at a time. I have like 80% health. I am trying to figure out what the buttons do because the game is too smug to tell me what they do. I press triangle and use an entire health kit to, and it, of course it lets me use it to, to give me that 20% health back, which I did not need at the time because the health kit will give you like all of your health back. If the game had just given me a menu that said, hey, here's what all the buttons do, totally could have avoided that 100%. And health kits are like hard to come by in the game, which adds to the difficulty of it. And I, uh, I don't like it, but before I hand it over to you, Brad, I do want to say that one thing that I absolutely adore about the game, like this is my highest compliment I can pay this game, possibly. It has the best gunshot sound I have ever heard in a video <laughs> game ever. And I, uh, I'm, I mean, I'm like all for, um, you know, stricter gun laws and all that kind of stuff, but I'm a gun owner and I've shot many guns in my lifetime and I, uh, and I, the gun sound, because a lot of guns and video games do not sound like what real guns sound like, but the gun noise that the pistol makes in the final station, like whenever you take a gun to a shooting range for the first time and you shoot it and you hear that like big round blasting echo, that is exactly what it sounds like in the game. And I am very excited that they got it right. But uh, that's like my big compliment for it. But what... What what retorts are you going to give me about my problems with this interesting, game, Brad? Interesting, interesting. Okay, so first off, platonic was the word that I was searching for. So, oh, okay. <laughs> platonic, anyway. Um, just had to close that loop before we move on. <laughs> um, so, man, I'm, I'm disappointed, really. Um, not, you know, not in, not in you or, you know, not in anything. I, I thought for sure that you would like this one. And I do, I totally hear what you're saying. Number one, I totally agree that they should have a better tutorial than they do. Because I think at one point I... I think I either used a health pack or I accidentally killed somebody on accident or something like that when I was like, oh, my God, like, if I had known what this button did, I never would have done that. Like, So I, I get that for sure. I totally agree, 100%. I, that's not a very big thing for people to implement. It's a real easy – that's just like, you know, game dev 101 kind of thing. So I'm, I'm with you on that one. Um, since we're talking about things to improve, I also think they should have spent a little bit more on the translation. Um, you, may, you may not have noticed because you were pretty early in the game, but as the game goes on – I think this is a game that was made in Russia, I believe, by Russians. And I think that uh, they did the best they could with the translation, but I don't think it's very hard to find an English speaker who can probably translate a game for fairly cheap, especially if you're in video games. I think there's a lot of fans out there who would be interested. I mean, maybe there's not a lot of Russians who know English. I mean, I don't know. It seems like there would be. I don't know. But as you go on in the game, there are some lines where you're like, what? Like, and it's not creepy mythology lore stuff it's just like i don't understand the sentence that you just wrote because i don't get it but it's pretty minor but that's another quibble i had um as far as the combat goes i definitely hear what you're saying and i i agree to a certain point i found though that over the course of time i got a pretty good sense for which enemies had to be handled which way so i picked up on that pretty quick and most of the time when i got to a room that was really too hard there was either another way around or there was something I was missing that made the room easier. And that, that wasn't true in every circumstance, but in most circumstances uh, there was usually like a shotgun nearby or, 
there was uh, an item you could pick up and throw or there was um, a ladder that I didn't see the first time. So most of the time, the really hard rooms are just there just if you feel like a badass. Most of the time, you can circumvent uh, the really difficult encounters. But I, I do agree that it, certain rooms are very, very tough if you're if you're not clicking into what the developers want you to do. And those got me more than a few times, for sure. I died, you know, not a jillion times, but I died a pretty fair amount in this game. So, you know, I hear your pain there. But I do think it is worth it, though. Like, once I got over that initial hump, and once I got into a groove, it got easier as I went along. And then once I was just kind of being carried by the story and the events, I found it to be really soulful. And it really just, it kind of, um, it's got this kind of ruminating energy to it where, not to spoil anything, but the world is having real problems. And the people who are left to survive in it, it it's like there's just, there's no hope. It's like they know there's not really anything they can do to fix it or to save it. There's no hero that's going to come uh, with a bright red cape and save the day. Like, it's just like, this is the situation. We're all kind of fucked. We're still alive for the moment, but that's all we have. And so what do you do in that moment? And so as the character goes on, I mean, more story gets revealed. I think what they do with the narrative is really interesting. I can't spoil any of it because I think people who are interested should go and play this. And as it unfolds, I think it's really masterfully done, especially when you get you know, maybe like halfway through or, or, or two thirds of the way through some really cool stuff starts happening. That's just really unexpected. And the game goes places that I didn't think it was going to go, but I really enjoyed it a lot. I'm really sad that you didn't get past the combat part. I mean, if, if you didn't hate it, I would really recommend to go back and maybe just give it one more try to see if you can get over that hump um, because I, I'm pretty sure it's going to get easier once you get past that part that you're at. But if you can't, I understand. I mean, I get that. It's not for everybody, but I, I definitely loved it a lot. It is definitely one of the games that we will be talking about on the Game of the Year show uh, coming up, and I just I just had a great time with it. It was certainly one of my favorite games of last year. So well, I, think I, I still dig it. I think what bothers me, uh, maybe the very most about it, is basically everything you just said. Because all, all the compliments you just paid it, I, I totally pick up on in the game. Because the atmosphere is super interesting. I like where the story is going. I like how vague it is. I feel like the narrative is definitely like bigger than what I'm currently doing in any situation. And I like games like that. And it's just really frustrating to me that it's so hard that I don't want to play it because I I want to experience that narrative and I want to see where it goes and I want to see where the conductor goes and where the passengers go and like what ends up happening. But it's just such a bummer to me that the game is so difficult that it kind of like actively is working against me so hard that it makes me not want to play it at all because I do really like it. I just wish I could, I wish it did like a devil may cry thing where if I die three times, it says, Hey, do you want to switch on easy mode? And I would say, heck yeah, because I, it's one of those games that I would sail through on like the easiest mode available if it let me do that, but it doesn't have any difficulty levels. It's just hard. And I do not like that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it wouldn't hurt to to be easier in certain circumstances. I mean, a few tips for you or for anybody else listening out there. If you walk backwards when um, enemies are chasing you and punch, you can actually take out a lot of enemies that way because the enemies in the game are really stupid, like intentionally so. And so if you walk backwards and kind of kite them around, you can actually kill a lot of enemies without using any bullets. Yeah, and I've, uh, I've totally done that. Not to say that, Yeah, I mean, because yeah. I totally understand like, walking backwards to punch how the taller enemies are slower and less fierce and you know charging your punches for like the charge up ones but just the two rooms that i'm facing back to back have a mix of tall enemies the short fierce enemies and then like body armored enemies and i only have one health kit and it's a very small room with no throwable objects in it and it's just it's just like a a perfect storm of difficult aspects in like two rooms in a row with no checkpoint between them and i think that's just ridiculous that they don't checkpoint between them if you're at the room that i think you are i mean you may not be but if you're at the room that i think you are i think there's a shotgun nearby and i think they give it to you because they know that room is really full of enemies i mean i could be thinking of a different section but maybe look around for a shotgun if you go back to it if not no big deal i totally get the feeling of um not wanting to mess with something like that. In fact, there's another game that we may or may talk about this episode that I'm kind of getting that same feeling on, but um, we'll hold off on that for now. Um, anyway, so that's a shame. That's a shame. If you do go back to it, let me know, because I would like to hear if, if, if you crack that nut. But in the meantime, um, let's move on to the next game on our agenda, which I believe is near, near Automata. Automata? Automata? Tomato? Tomato? <laughs> I don't know. 
Let's call the whole thing off. The demo is up on PS4 for free. Came available last week. It is, of course, the sequel to uh, cult classic Nier, which came out on 360 and PS3 several years ago. I know we've mentioned Nier on the show before. Corey, you didn't like Nier, did you? I did not like Nier. Did not like Nier. Okay. I think Nier is amazing, and I think it's one of the modern classics. We're going to have to talk about this at some point. We're not going to talk about Nier now, but we will talk about the demo to the sequel. Nier, I'm going to, I'm going to call it Automata because I don't know what else to say. Um, this is a bit of a change for Nier. I, I don't want to call it a series because it's only really two games. It's not really quite a series. It's like a game and a sequel. And the sequel happening was kind of a miracle. It was announced, I believe it was last year's, and I mean 2015, not 2016, <laughs> uh, 2015's E3, and everybody was just like shocked that Nier was getting a sequel. I think it was, well, okay, it had a very storied and troubled history. When it came out, um, a couple of really well-known reviewers didn't figure out what the game was trying to do, and they had a really negative reaction to it um i've i don't know if i want to call out this person's name or exactly what happened i kind of would like leave it all in the past but one particular person in in specific really fucking flipped out hard and that was a very popular well-known you know fairly influential person and so when that person flipped out about getting stuck in near it really influenced a lot of other critics it really influenced a lot of other players and near didn't get a chance and i think that was a really pivotal moment for it unfortunately but for those people like me who understood what the game wanted me to do and did not get stuck at that incredibly easy part that that person got stuck at, um, the rest of the game was a masterpiece. And although it was a masterpiece, it did not sell. It sold like five copies. People didn't get it. It didn't go anywhere. And it just kind of died. So when they announced the sequel was coming, I mean, it was just like, oh my God, like nobody in the world saw this coming. Nobody thought it was coming. I mean, I couldn't have been more surprised. I mean, I'm thrilled, but I never in a million years thought we were going to get a sequel. So... The difference between the original Nier, which was a Square Enix uh, in-house product, I believe, and Nier Automata is that it has the same writers, but it's now being produced by, I want to say Platinum. Platinum, Does that yeah. right to you, Corey? Yep. Platinum? Okay. It's Platinum. Platinum. So the combat and world design and action is ha- being handled by Platinum. And in general, I think Platinum is pretty proficient at doing action games. And the original writer of Nier, and Nier's writing was amazing, is still on board. So this seems like a win-win. If the writer can keep the project on track, I believe that Platinum has the skills to pull it off. They gave us a little taste of what it's going to be like. And it's weird. I mean, I don't want to judge too much because Nier, the original Nier, was a game that really unfolded over time. You had to actually beat it at least twice before you got the full picture of what the game was trying to do. So that was, I mean, it's, it's a lot to ask, but I think it was worth it. And it was one of those things where if you talk to somebody who did not finish it, you knew right away they didn't finish it because you could tell they didn't understand what the game was really about. Like, it was very obvious just from talking to them. And so I don't want to judge anything too much just based on the demo, but I liked it. You start the demo off as, I guess she's like a cyborg or an android or something like that. Lady. Um, very cool, stylish design. She's got, like, something covering her eyes. She's got, like, a giant, like, a big sword and a small sword. And you kind of zip around these different environments, um... The camera shifts quite a bit. Sometimes you're doing traditional behind-the-back third-person. Sometimes you're doing overhead third-person. Sometimes you're doing stuff that's closer to being kind of like a bullet hell shoot 'em up uh, One of the hallmarks of the original Nier was that it shifted through several different styles over the course of the game. I mean, it had a little bit of everything. It had JRPG. It had action. It had bullet hell. It had text adventure. It had uh, horror. It had, like, all sorts of stuff all mixed in. It was kind of a meta-commentary about game design in, in certain ways. And so I wasn't surprised to see the demo taking players through so many different approaches. But I thought it was pretty well done. Uh, The action felt really good. I've seen some videos of this demo, which showed me there was a lot more that I didn't figure out. Like a lot of aerial maneuvers that you could do. The character was really nimble and you could pull off all sorts of different things that I just just didn't figure out in my time with it. But I thought it looked pretty solid. I thought the, the controls felt pretty good. Felt pretty good to run around and dash and, you know, sword swipe. You have a little robot with you that shoots bullets. So it's effectively like having a gun. Uh, The story kind of went a little screwy at the end. Got it kind of weird. But I expected that as well. I mean, all in all, pretty excited. I mean, I I think this is a pretty positive uh, taste. Corey, what did you make of the uh, Nier Automata demo? Uh, I actually liked it. I mean, um, if anybody has played 
kind of like a melee action-based platinum game before, it's going to feel pretty similar. It feels kind of like Metal Gear Solid Rising as far as the action goes, but probably a little bit better. Um, I mean, pretty much everything you just said is true. You know, it's third person. It's, you know, a melee action game with light shooting mechanics. Um, one thing that I really did like about it is the fact that the camera would switch so often because some sections... You know, you are just running around and doing kind of like a Devil May Cry style, like hack and slash. Sometimes the the camera will go 2D and you feel like you're playing Metroid. And then sometimes the camera will go directly overhead and you feel like it's a bullet shooter, bullet hell. Um, I, so, I mean, I actually feel good about this. As someone who did not really like the first Nier, um, and of course I didn't finish it because I didn't feel compelled to, um, I, I actually feel good about Nier Automata. I'm interested in it. I will probably rent it whenever it comes out and play it, whenever it comes out and play it. Um, I do want to say that uh, I feel like <clears throat> the character design kind of makes me roll my eyes a little bit because it's very, like, Japanese. Like, you're playing as a woman with, like, knee-high black high-heeled boots, and she's, like, wearing, like, a skirt with an impossibly high slit up, and she, like, may or may not be wearing panties, and there's this whole, like, stupid controversy on the internet right now where people are, like, trying to aim the camera down to look up at her vagina, and I think, first of all, it's disgusting, and I think it's also just dumb that they would design a character that way to where you could basically do, like, upskirt shots at her, because it seems very, like, male gaze-y to me, which is something I'm totally against, um... But, uh, I mean, that stuff aside, I think it's a pretty solid demo. Um, one thing that kind of cracks me up is um, I saw, I, like, I don't read a whole lot of video game news. I mean, I write about video games. I don't read a lot of news. That probably makes me a terrible person. But uh, I feel like a lot of video game news is kind of sensational bullshit. And uh, I saw Polygon, the video game website, tweet out an article called, uh, the headline is, Near Automato Demo has one of the year's most shocking endings. And uh, I'm kind of gonna kind of double back on whenever I talked about The Last of Us Two um, a couple of weeks ago. But whenever I read that headline, I w I just had that same thought in my head where I thought, okay, like, have you played another video game before? Have you watched a movie? Have you ever read a book? <laughs> like, the ending to this demo is not that shocking. Like, it's pretty like par for the course. I feel like for like an Android. Um, like combat story and i just feel like once again that people who play video games a lot are just trapped in this little bubble of awful video game stories and they don't experience enough like outside stimuli to sort of like level their story um their like story expectations and so i just like rolled my eyes inside and read through the article and thought it was really dumb um but uh uh, I, I don't even remember what the ending was. What well, was the ending? I mean, it's just a demo, so go ahead and spoil it. I mean, I guess if you don't want to be spoiled, jump ahead two minutes, but it's just a demo. What, like, what was the ending? It, well, in the ending, uh, one thing that you didn't mention, which I don't know if this is important or not, but there's a the, the main character, her name is 2B, like literally the number two and then B. And there's a guy character that like kind of fights alongside her a little bit in the demo named 9S. Right, right, right. And at the end of the demo, there's, like, a giant boss fight. It's very Platinum style, where the boss is, like, 15 stories high, and it takes, like, 15 minutes to kill him. And I don't like boss fights like that, but that's beside the point. The end of the demo, basically, 9S gets injured really bad, and they decide to, like, self-destruct themselves to blow up the boss. And, like, that's the end oh, of it. Oh, that's like, right, that's right. That's I'm like, right. okay, so what's so shocking about that? Like, two androids blow themselves up to defeat this boss, which is, like... The enemy they're there to defeat. It's their prime directive to destroy it no matter what. So, like, why? Ooh, it's so shocking. Like, like please, like, read a book or watch a movie. Like, that will maybe like, get you in tune to other stories out there. So I didn't really think it was that shocking, to be honest. Um, I thought it was well, kind of a so... cool ending, but um, I, I don't know. It's... it's... <laughs> It's so shocking, I totally forgot what the ending was, so that's how shocking it was, I guess. Yeah, obviously it made a huge impression on you. It's so, so <laughs> shocking. <laughs> but uh, I also think it's annoying that in the demo there's a segment where, like, 9S kind of gets, like, sentimental about fighting with 2B, and she's all like, oh, you're not supposed to show emotions in battle, which, like, is fine, you know. If, if you've ever seen a movie about androids, like, a thing about them usually is that they don't show emotion, which is fine. Um, and then, like, five minutes later, she's, like, getting all emotional about 9S getting destroyed in battle, which, I mean, maybe is, like, a meta-commentary about android behavior or some bullshit, but I just thought it was incredibly annoying. She's all like, oh, don't show any emotion, and then, like, five minutes later, she's like, oh, 9S, oh, I'm gonna save you, oh, and I'm just like, like, pick, like, pick one, like, like, don't, don't tell the guy that not to be emotional and then get all emotional, 
And he's all like, before he dies, he's like, oh, it's been such an honor fighting with you. And I'm like, okay, you guys have fought together for like 10 minutes. Like, get a grip on yourselves, you're androids. Like, blow yourselves up and get the story over with. I was just like, over the story (laughs) aspects of it. (laughs) No one will ever mistake you for an android sympathizer, Corey. (laughs) I know. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I, I agree that I don't think it was the sh- a very shocking ending. I mean, I think if you played Nier, like, that would not be too shocking. I mean, not to give anything away with Nier, but, I mean, it was, like, it was the game about subverting expectations and doing things that you may not have expected. So I think that is the expected. Um, <coughs> excuse me. I just thought it was a cool demo, and I don't know who wrote that article, but okay. If, they, if that's shocking to them, I'm, well, okay. <laughs> but uh, overall, I thought it was a really... I'm really happy to see that the technical side of it, it seems to be coming along. And as long as the writing is as good as the first game, which granted would be a very tough, very tough uh, bar to, to pass, to raise, to get over. Boy, I have no grasp of my metaphors tonight. <laughs> that is <laughs> apologies, everybody. I don't know what the fuck I'm saying tonight. Uh, it would be hard to match the quality of the first near is what I'm saying in terms of writing. But if anybody can do it, it's the guy who wrote the first near. So fingers crossed. Um, we'll see how that goes, but if you are at all interested in checking out Near Automata, the demo is up on PS4 right now, free of charge. Check it out. Um, let's move on real quick. Corey, what is next on your agenda? So, Call of Duty Infinite Warfare. Um, I've been playing this for, I've sat down with it about three times. I know a couple weeks ago we talked about they had like a free weekend thing where you could play a couple uh, missions of the campaign and some multiplayer. I downloaded right, that. Right. I played it. Um, I finished whatever I could in the campaign, and then I actually rented the game from Gamefly, so I could basically just pick right back up where I left off in the campaign. And I have to say, I am not a Call of Duty fan, like basically in any way, shape, or form. I played Modern Warfare. I played Modern Warfare Two. I played a tiny bit of Modern Warfare Three and got tired of it. I um, I played a tiny bit of I don't know Black Ops Two. I think and got tired of it because I just think. I think that most of the Call of Duty games don't, as far as the campaign goes, because I'm a campaign kind of guy. I know a lot of people go to Call of Duty for multiplayer. That's not me. Um, As far as most Call of Duty campaigns are concerned, I feel like they don't care about the player. They don't care about player input. They just want to tie a leash around the player's neck and just drag them through these levels and just hit them over and over with like a frying pan and then get them out of the campaign. Stuff like that doesn't interest me. I played all of Black Ops 3 last year was the the first Call of Duty game I had finished a campaign since uh, since uh, Modern Warfare 2. And I have to say, Infinite Warfare is actually surprising me. And uh, listeners, if you have heard anything, me saying these words is probably not going to be a surprise because a lot of people have actually been praising this game this year, which I think is good. Um, one thing that I really like about the opening segments of it is that the pacing of it is just incredible. Like it's one of those games that kind of reminds me of the movie, like uh, like edge of tomorrow with Tom Cruise a little bit, because it's just like one thing after another with like no loading screens, no blackout screens. It's just like, you know, one second you're on like a, a foreign planet. You're trying to do this like big weapon heist. And then the next second you are going to this, um, this like you're talking to like your commanding officer and walking with like your lieutenant or something down through this uh, like celebratory airship thing on a planet and then it gets attacked and then you're fighting in the streets and then you get in a jet and then you're up in the air doing like air combat and then you're back on the streets fighting again and it's just like it like the pacing of the first like two to three hours is just impeccable it's so good it's so fast you're not never looking at a loading screen like there's always some like crazy thing to do next and I was really hoping that the game would keep that pacing up for the entire thing, which it does not, which is a little bit disappointing. But at a certain point, you get to kind of... It's a little bit like Mass Effect, where, like, you get to your, like, big, like, airship in the sky, and you have, like, a little crew around, and um, you have a... It is is, really is kind of like Mass Effect, um, minus the really good writing, where you have, like, a planet board, and it has the Milky Way, and there's, like, side missions on it, and you can select one to do, or you can just move through the main missions, and I've been playing on the side missions, but... um, it's good the characters are relatable um you play as a guy named reyes he unexpectedly has to take command of a ship because uh like someone died on it who was in command uh he has his uh kind of partner in command is a woman named salter Uh, he calls her salt and she is awesome like she's like 
the badass bitch that I always want to play as in a video game. And I kind of actually like not being able to play as her because not playing as her means I get to like see her physically and hear her more. And she's usually with Reyes on the missions. And she's just like a cool lady. Like I like her and she's kind of funny and she has like some snappy one-liners. And I, I think I relate to her. Like I, I find her more interesting than like any character in a call of duty basically ever. Um, and, uh, and the, the only uh, thing that bugs me is that there's a side character named Omar who's, like... he He's, like... The game's trying to set him up as being, like, racist toward machines because there's, like, an android guy that's on your team named Ethan. Or he's, like, a full-on robot. He's not an android. And he always, like, says a stupid, like, Oh, why don't we take a soldier? Oh, he could do better than a machine's job. And it's just all of this, like, super, like, overtly, like, machine racist speak, like, right in front of his commanding officer, which is you. And it's just, like, super lame, and I feel like the game is is being really try-hardy about, like, setting up this, like, barrier between Omar and Ethan, and eventually, like, they're going to be friends, and probably one of them's going to die, and the game's going to try to make it emotional, and it probably won't be. But uh, that aside, I am, like, really digging um, Infinite Warfare a lot, a lot. Huh. Interesting. Because you know what, Corey? What? I, as a matter of fact, got Call of Duty Infinite Warfare from Gamefly yesterday. Oh, have you played it yet? Uh, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll oh, get to damn that. Damn it. You're going to say um, you don't like it, you son of a bitch. Now, <laughs> I didn't get it for me. I don't give a fuck about Call of Duty. <laughs> but my son wanted to play it. And I'm like, well, okay, we'll get it from Gamefly, whatever. And then I'll sit with you and I'll make sure that it's, you know, appropriate enough for you to play. And so my son was, we got it yesterday. My son was really excited. So we sat down. It took like an hour to install whatever it needed to install. That was a drag. Fuck modern gaming, by the way. God, what a pain in the ass. Anyway, <laughs> sidebar. Um, so we start playing. My son jumps in, and I'm sitting next to him. Uh, and I know that some people out there are like, oh, my God, you're letting your kid play Call of Duty. Uh, or at least you should be thinking that because that's what a good parent thinks. Uh, but, yeah, whenever we play something, I literally I literally – take parental guide we talked about this before we parental guidance i sit down with my son like literally sit down next to him i watch him play the whole thing if anything seems questionable we stop playing immediately or we debrief about anything that happens it was a little bit intense in the beginning because uh there's this scene where this guy is kind of like being mean to these soldiers and he like kills them and that was a little bit intense but other than that it was just super generic shooty shooty so i wasn't too worried about it um and i i didn't play it myself but i sat and watched my son play it for a good like three hours maybe I was like, oh, my fucking God, this is the most boring game ever. Like, I was, like, totally, like, I could not take it. He was having fun. He thought it was great. Um, so that's fine. I was really happy that he had fun because he likes to shoot stuff and run around. And he thought it was great to see, you know, just everything that's happening. The airplane sections. You go to an airplane or a jet or something at one point. You fly around. You go in space and fly around and shoot stuff. He thought that was all cool. But as for me, I was like, oh, my God, you're main character is like the most generic white guy and I don't give a fuck about what anybody's talking about and the story was like really boring and I was just like I could not could not care less about it it was just so painful and I was like oh my god if I wasn't such a good parent I would totally go off and like check my phone or go play something else I just I was not feeling it a bit so I was not even remotely interested in starting that campaign and I'm glad my son enjoys it, and I'm glad that you enjoy it, but holy shit, that was just like, none of that shit was clicking for me at all. Even the robot, I like robots. I'm usually up for a game with a robot in it, and I didn't give a fuck about Ethan. I'm like, man, you were the most boring robot ever. I don't, I don't care about you, Ethan. Blow right. up. I have, two, so. I have two things to say in response to this. Yo, yes. The first yes. thing is, your son obviously has better taste in games than you. <laughs> Some would say. And... Uh, I'm gonna have to have to have him sit in and co-host from now on instead of you with me <laughs> forever. Um, and I I'm gonna hope, and I know you're probably never gonna play this game, but I I'm gonna hope that you think it looks boring because you're not playing it. And I hate to fall back on that trope, like oh it looks boring, um, so I don't want to play it because I'm somebody who absolutely hates watching people play any video games. Like somebody can be playing my favorite video game of all time and I will be bored out of my mind because I don't like watching people play them. But I feel like you just have to play it. I don't know, like it's so, it's really good. And the air combat, I didn't mention this before, but I usually fucking hate air combat in games. Like when I got to the air combat in Battlefield 1, I thought it was fucking garbage. I don't really like, because usually it just amounts to flying a plane like one way and then you turn around you fly it the other way and then back and forth and you're shooting missiles their combat in this game is amazing because the fucking planes 
um, control, like like they like can like turn on a dime which is so dumb and it's so unrealistic but it makes it so much fun because you're like zipping around in the air and you can just like spin it around and 180 and all this stuff and i really like how nimble the aircrafts are and i'm sad that you think it looks like garbage but i really wish that you would give it a shot i can say without a doubt i will not give it a shot because oh, there's no way there's no way i'm gonna sit i mean i literally sat through three hours of it and i am the kind of guy i will i will not watch youtubers i will not watch people online i don't have time for that but like if my wife is playing a game like uh you know if, if it's something that uh, she's playing i'll just i'll just sit down on the couch and i'll just watch her and like that'll be a good time like i'll see what she's doing and it's it's really interesting because um, over the years of doing that with my wife, I've I've realized how our brains work in different ways. I'm not saying a stupid male female thing. I'm just saying that like the way that she solves puzzles is different than the way that I solve puzzles. Like I'll be watching her play Tetris and I'll think, oh, put that piece there, and she'll put it in a different place. And it's not like either one is correct. Like they both would have worked, but just how your brain works. And so I think that's kind of interesting just on its own. Are you but talking about I, Tetris or your sex lives? Ah, uh, both, yeah. Because like sometimes, like I'll put it somewhere and just it'll be like put, I, I don't think it goes that, that way. There and then she puts it somewhere else, but it works anyway. Yeah. That's what but it said. totally works out. Like, <laughs> yeah, we've had many interesting <laughs> evenings where it all worked out. So be open to that, folks. Be open to your Tetris pieces. Um, but but so I, I'll watch a game. But I was watching my son. And I was like, oh my god, this is just like it was just like so much shooting and so much like it was loud too. Like a lot of like machine gun sounds and explosions, just constant bombardment of my senses. And I was just like. Every every cutscene, I was like, "Oh my god, who wrote this? Like, what? This is bad." I like, mean, the story. Like... Admittedly, the story is dumb. I it's one of those games where I kind of have like no fucking clue what's going on, but I enjoy the moment to moment dialogue. Like, there's a section where you get back from a mission, you always like walk back into like the the commanding, like the the ready yeah, room, yeah. if you will, mm-hmm. and like Salt walks in first, and she's like captain on the bridge and he looks at her and he's like you don't have to say that and she says something like oh i just like the way it sounds or oh i just love saying it or something like that like it's kind of like smart alecky back to him and i like laughed out loud i know that's not really like that great of writing but she i just think she's great and like the way she she says things is really good um but the story yeah i like have no fucking clue what's going on in the story but i like the moment to moment interaction with the other characters yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I don't fault anybody for liking it. People like what they like, but man, I was just like, oh my god. Like, I've played a number of other Call of Duty games, and I've never liked any of them. I think they're all really terrible. Uh, I'm not a big shooter fan to begin with, so it's got to take, you know, it's got to be like a shooter plus something interesting to get me into it. Like, it's got to have a really good story or a really interesting mechanical hook or, you know, I can't just be just a shooter, and I feel like all of these are just really generic shooters, so I'm not not down with call of duty in general and this one is not going to get me into it either i'm just going to have to give it a hard pass but i'm glad that you're enjoying it sir very glad you're enjoying it thank you i'm enjoying it and i'm probably going to play more of it later tonight because i'm excited about it do it you go i will i will do that that. (laughs) (laughs) all right that is going to do it for call of duty infinite warfare um, one more thing to talk about, at least one more thing to talk about. Another demo, oddly. This was a good week for... Well, okay. Well, not this week, but last week was a good week for demos. Also on PS4, at this very moment, free of charge to download, is the demo for Gravity Rush 2. Uh, this is the sequel to, as you know, Gravity Rush, which came out <laughs> on the Vita. It also... I want to say it got ported to the PS3 and PS4, I think. There's definitely, like, a remastered PS4 version for sure. Okay, good, good, good. Okay, so that game... I played it on the Vita myself. I thought it was great on the Vita. I have not played the PS4 version, but I had just a wonderful time with it on on Vita. One of the best Vita games, I would say. Um, So this was another game which I think a lot of people wanted a sequel to, including myself, and I never thought we would get. But here is the sequel. So yet again, another... Really, really pleasant surprise. Uh, went through the demo. I think that if you had not played the first Gravity Rush, maybe it would be take you a little, little bit to catch up to what's going on. I mean, I think a lot of the things they introduced were very familiar to people who played the first game, and they maybe could have taken a little bit more time to introduce some of this stuff. But regardless, I think they do an okay job of getting people into it. Basically, you play as a girl named Cat, and she has the ability to kind of like it's kind of tough to describe she kind of messes with gravity but it's not like she can fly she can kind of change the way that gravity pulls and so she can jump up in the air and then you click a button and then she's like neutral like no gravity and then you move your cursor around and whatever direction you point your cursor is the way that gravity starts pulling so like for example if you need to fly like 
uh, I don't know, to the next building over or something, you jump up in the air, you click your neutralized gravity button, and then you point towards the building that you want to go to. And it's not like you fly, but you kind of fall. Like you fall through the air until you get to where you're going. And like before you crash, you neutralize gravity again, so you stop. And then you kind of write gravity back the correct way. It sounds weird to talk about it, but it's really easy to get into once you start playing. It's basically like flying, sort of, just not as dynamic, uh, a little bit more cumbersome. Uh, but I like the aesthetics of it. It's got kind of a, not a cell shaded exactly, but a very kind of like cartoony, semi-cartoony kind of look to it. In the first game, they had a wonderful soundtrack. I don't comment about soundtracks often, but it had like a very, it kind of sounded like Amelie, like that movie. I'm not a big fan of the movie, but I thought the soundtrack was great. Very French, Parisian cafe kind of, light jaunty slightly sad but more you know kind of just like kind of a you know like i want to wear a beret and smoke a cigarette when i'm hearing that kind of music and i I don't do either of those things normally you know but that's what it made me want to do so hopefully the soundtrack will carry over and uh it just was really cool being in that world i thought it was really um interesting place to be so i'm glad to see that we get a sequel the demo is very brief it just basically walks you through the controls you kill a couple monsters, and then it's just like, yeah, see you in the full version. Bye. So it didn't give you, like, a lot to chew on. But what did you make of it, Corey? I mean, I guess to start, did you play the first Gravity Rush? No, I did not. Um, I don't have a PS Vita, and I did not play it whenever it came to PlayStation 4. Okay, so what did you think of the demo, then? Well, my favorite thing about the demo is the part where you, like, you like finish a mission for a guy, and then he gives you this, like... Um, it's like a skewer, like a kebab with like food on it. And at first I was like, well, that's kind of dumb. But then I was like, Hey, you know, if I were this woman, like, fuck yeah. Like I want to get rewarded with food for doing tasks. And then this like bird comes through and like takes the fucking skewer out of her hand. Like, first of all, rude because she was about to eat that skewer. And so the game like sets up this thing where she has to keep like readjusting gravity in order to like keep going to these different buildings to like chase the bird down to get her skewer back. And during the segment, I was like, God, this is really stupid. And then I thought, you know, I actually probably relate to her more than I've, like, ever related to a video game character in my life. Because if I were eating and somebody stole food from me, like, heck yeah, I would be shifting gravity all the time to try to get my freaking food back. So it it wasn't until she gets to the bird that I was like, wow, that was, like, really noble. Usually you're trying to, like, end, you know, the earth from being destroyed or kill somebody who's you know, threatening your friends or something in video games. But this time it was just like, all right, this bird stole your food. Like, go get it back. And uh, it really, really spoke to me on a personal level. <laughs> uh, that's amazing that you were able to connect on, uh, on on that issue. Like, you know, love of kebabs is, is how this game got you. <laughs> or just like food in general. <laughs> <laughs> so how, what did you think of like the controls and like just the general aesthetic of it and stuff? I mean, does it seem like something that you would be interested in checking out? Did it click with you or, I mean, apart from the kebabs, like what'd you, what'd you make of it otherwise? Uh, this is probably not a game I would play. Um, I finished the whole demo and I did not play the first one. So this isn't like a game I'm particularly excited for in the first place, but I don't know. It's just like the gravity controls are kind of hard to get used to in my opinion. And there's certain parts in combat where you have to like switch gravity to like kick enemies in the air and stuff. And I mean, the combat is fine like you know you're just kind of like kicking i like that she never punches people i like that she only kicks i think that's kind of neat um so she's like throwing her legs out everywhere like kicking these people like a rocket dancer and and like shifting um gravity all over the place but it's just not really my bag like i'm usually not into like these sort of like japanesey of games if that makes sense and I, i don't know maybe all the games I like, I think as, a, as I've established before, they just have to be like games where you're like murdering dudes all the time and they have to be like gritty <laughs> and realistic. This game is just too happy for me. That's not true, but uh, it's just not really something that I see myself playing. No worries, no worries. Interesting note. Um, this is definitely Japanese as fuck, for sure. But <laughs> the thing that was really interesting about the first game, and I, I suspect will carry over, was that the entire game was very European, but it was European by way of Japan. So like, the music, the architecture, the style, uh, just the world design, very, very European. But it, it was, if you watch a lot of animation from those countries, you're like, you could tell, you're like, wait a minute, this is, this is like, it's supposed to be like French, but it's not quite like legit French. And so when you realize it's actually from Japan, it's like a Japanese person's kind of um, idealized con- concept of 
what French animation would be like. And so it's kind of like a couple layers there to get through, which I think gives it an interesting kind of um, interesting appearance, interesting kind of flavor. So I, I dig it. Um, I can see that it's not for everybody. I think it's really cute and pretty, and I like the way that the, the following feels. So uh, I'll definitely check it out as a fan of the first game. But, the, you know, like we said, the demo is up there for free. Check it out for yourself. Download it anytime. Let us know what you think. Um, we're almost at the end of the show, but we do have maybe one more game I want to talk about. If you've got time, Corey, can you spare a two minutes for one more game? Oh, of course, I can spare like forever to talk about games. Okay, we won't take forever because I need to have a second cup of coffee at some point tonight. But before we wrap, I did want to talk about a Hold game on, that can I, I believe we. Can I guess what yeah. you're going to talk about? Yes. Are you gonna Are you gonna bitch for like ten minutes about XCOM two? No, oh, damn it. I'm not. <laughs> Corey fail. Corey uh, fail. No, man. I I I definitely want to bitch about XCOM too, but I'm not going to do it on this show. Uh, no, I was going to talk about Party Hard. You played Party Hard, correct? I did play Party Hard, and I do want okay, to say let's... the only reason I played Party Hard is because of friend of the show Carlos Rodella, who runs the um, video game break podcast. Uh, hello, Carlos. I only downloaded this game because I heard him talking about it. You guys talking about it on a video game break show like months and months and months ago, and it went on the PSN sale for holidays, and it was like three or four dollars. And I was like, hey, you know, I don't really know anything about this game, but Carlos really liked it, so I'm gonna buy it and I'm gonna play it. And I did. Um, but what? And I know, did you play it for the first time recently too? Yeah, I had never played it before. I, I also, like you, was kind of sold on it from Carlos, friend of the show, Carlos Rodella. But you know what about Carlos is, man, he's a cool dude. I like Carlos a lot. He's an all right oh, guy. I suspect you're about to talk shit here real quick. I'm going to talk a little bit of shit oh, because you no. know what? Every time Carlos starts talking about a game that he loves, that I have learned. I have learned that that's what I need to be careful because he does a good job of selling those games. Like, he can talk me. He's one of the few people that can really sell me on a game. I don't know what it is about Carlos talking about a game, but something about it. He just kind of says the right words, and he kind of he goes about it a certain way. And he can sell me on games that I ordinarily wouldn't be interested in. Um, Watch Dogs 2 being another one that he's responsible for. <laughs> um, so I picked it up because of that. But man, I gotta I gotta make note to self. Like whenever Carlos starts loving a game, that's when I gotta start walking the other way because I don't think that Carlos <laughs> and I like the same games. I don't. I still love Carlos, but I don't think we like the same games. I picked it up because he mentioned it, and also I believe that um, Dan Weisenberger, staff writer at Game Critics. I think it was Dan Weisenberger who really liked this game. Somebody at Game Critics reviewed it, and they, it seemed like they really liked it. So I was like, okay, well, that's two people I know. And it, like you said, it was only two or three bucks. I'll give it a shot. I thought this game sucked ass. <laughs> I hated this game. What, so before I go off on my rant, what did you like it or did you not like it? Uh, I did not like this game either. Oh, good. Hey, let's end on an agreement note. So tell tell the people, Corey, Corey Motley, what, what the fuck this game is. Okay, so the best way that I can describe this game succinctly is by saying that it's kind of like if you took Hotline Miami and Hitman and merged them. Because it is a top-down sort of like blueprint view of, a, of like a house or an apartment or the levels, just like Hotline Miami. But the objective, the, the game has a hilarious premise. And like the first cutscene is actually, I think the writing in it is very funny. Um, the premise of the game is you play as a guy who lives in a neighborhood and there's uh, like his neighbors have an apartment and they party all the time. Uh, you know, ergo, the game's called Party Hard. And they party so hard and so loud that he actually plans to go over there and murder all of them, which is what any reasonable person would do if their neighbors are partying too loud. So... The, the point of the game is to get into these apartments or the houses or whatever they are and basically murder every single person there without getting caught. So it's like it's kind of like if you took Hitman, but instead of having one target, every single person in the level is a target and putting it in like a Hotline Miami style level. But I have to say this game is I mean, the game is called Party Hard and this game is fucking hard because I was on the first level like after the tutorial level. The first level, I tried it like six or seven times, and I could not even kill like a quarter of the people before the police came and caught me, like every single time. And I was like, you know what, fuck this game. Like, I'm tired of playing this. Like, it's too hard. I am not getting any, like, I don't know, uh, like joy out of killing all these people that are partying, even though I totally understand the character's motivations. Uh, so I just turned it off, and I probably will never play the game ever again. Yeah, dude, I think that we are definitely ending the show on a, a note of agreement here because I think the concept is cool. And I think the way you described it, Hitman plus Hotline Miami, I mean, fairly accurate, except the only problem being that both of those games are good and this game is fucking not good. So, like, <laughs> um, 
Yeah, it's like it's top down and you're looking at like a like you said a blueprint view of a house and there's like like 50 or 60 people in the fucking there's house. There's a like, lot of people. It's like a lot of people. Yes. It's a ton of people. And the thing that makes it difficult is it's very small. The graphics are very tiny. I don't know what the fuck is going on, but last year I played many games, indie games specifically, where the graphics were fucking microscopic and I feel like these graphics are tiny. It's hard for me to tell what is a wall what is a window, what a certain object is, who can see me, who cannot see me. And so as far as I can tell, there's no checkpoints in the middle of a level. I mean, is that correct? Uh, not that I could find. Okay, good. If there's a checkpoint, I could, I didn't figure out how to trigger it. I never got to a checkpoint. So like I would kill a couple of people and like you're in the room, like house full of people. It's so hard to pick people off, but I would get a couple and you know, something would happen. Like somebody like across the way would see me and I didn't know they were there or I didn't know this was a window and I thought it was a wall. So someone on the other side saw me or something like that would happen. And then like the cops would come and get me and then like I have to do the whole thing over again. Like no checkpoints. I'm like, there's no way I don't. This game didn't feel good enough. It wasn't clear enough. Barely a tutorial to it. Just really too hard. And it's not the kind of game where I want to sit and invest a bunch of hours just to master this idiosyncratic formula that some guy developed. I mean, maybe if he likes it, I mean, obviously he must like it enough to create the game. And that's cool. But I don't feel like I need to like, sink my brain up to his level in order to you know have some small measure of success i just really really frustrating it and the lack of checkpoints really killed it i mean maybe i would have pushed further if if like you know let's say like every 10 people checkpoint every tw maybe even every 20 people that's being really really generous like uh, to the developer uh checkpoint but like to have no checkpoint like fuck it i think um it was on the very first level i didn't even finish the first level i played for maybe I don't know, 15, 20 minutes. And my frustration was just like, it was already more than I wanted to handle. So I, I shit can that right away. Deleted it immediately off my PS4. And Done. one Not thing that I want to add in, and this both adds to the comedy of the game and the sheer frustration of the game, is the fact that, so say you're in the game and you kill someone. If somebody in the party sees the dead body, the first thing they'll do is run to a phone and call the police. Well, the thing that is both hilarious and that also pisses me off so much is, when the police ride up in their freaking Crown Victoria police cruiser to the house, they will literally run over and murder people in the front of the house. They will just run right over them. Their bodies will be splattered into bloody messes on the sidewalk. And then they will get out and come into the house and, and try to find you to arrest you. Like, I know that it's like, haha, kind of funny, but like, that doesn't make any fucking sense at all. Like the police just roll in and like run over like 15 or 20 people and k kill them outright to come and find you uh, to try to find you to arrest you. It's so stupid. Yeah, I, mm, yeah, I mean, I get. I get what the game's going for, but it none of it really worked for me. I mean, this thing, this thing with the cops killing people, I mean, kind of sad. I mean, maybe that's some kind of meta commentary on the state of police today. <laughs> I mean, maybe there's some kind of a thing going on with that. Whatever. I mean, I just I I just don't have the patience for something that was so so irritating and that asks so much of me um, and gives so little return. So I, I, I say may, I say may. So not coming back to it. Sounds like you're not coming back to it either. I am never coming back to this game. All right. Fuck that game. All right. We're going to end the show uh, in unison. Yeah. In agreement. Our platonic podcast is ending right now and we, we're in sync. And so you that is definitely to lay it on you again. And then the platonicness will be over. Well, I will try not to say that in the next one and a half minutes left of the show. We'll see if I can do it. We'll see. <laughs> no promises. Uh, but that is definitely going to do it for this installment of the So Video Games podcast. But before we go, we would like to say that we will be doing our Game of the Show episode next time. Game next of, episode, Game of the Year. Game of the, year. Game of the Year. What did I say? Game of the Show? Game of the Show. Shit. Well, I mean, it, it kind of will be, but no, it's bigger than that. Bigger in scope. <laughs> Have some vision, Brad. God, get it right. Uh, next episode, Game of the Year show is what I meant to say. Um, it may be going up a little bit later than some other shows, but we wanted to make sure we had enough time to play what we needed to, to play, make sure we got through what we needed to get through, make sure we have a very accurate reading of the year in gaming that was 2016. So uh, look forward to that next week. And in the meantime, thank you very much for listening. As always, please send us your thoughts, feedback, ideas, anything else you'd like to. You can reach us at SoVideoGamesPodcast at gmail.com. We are also on Twitter at SoVideoGames. So this is 
Bye from Brad. And bye from Corey. We will see you guys for our Game of the Year show next week. Bye.